So in John 15, we read these words, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you This is my command, love each other. Thank you, Carl. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, you know that we need life. And you tell us that life is to be found in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we ask that as we reflect on these words of Jesus, this claim of Jesus to be the true vine, that you would help us to live in him, that you would graft us into him, that we might live for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're coming today to the last uh, of our sermons uh, in this series uh, uh, from John's biography. We've been thinking about who Jesus is. Uh, He is God the Son, we've discovered, come into our world to show grace and mercy to sinners. He is uh, the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the good shepherd. 
He is the resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth and the life. And today we're looking at this claim of Jesus that he is the true vine. And at the heart of this claim, I think, of Jesus is really this issue of how knowing Jesus changes a person's life. That is, if you know Jesus, how will your life be different? What will that different life look like? Uh, some experiences in life leave us, I think, utterly unchanged. You know, we, uh, we experience something and, yet, and tomorrow goes on as uh, yesterday. Uh, so a few years ago, I drove past one of our local hairdressers here in Kings Meadows and I had a sign out the front which blew me away. It was just amazing. It said, change your hair, change your life. I thought, wow, that is a big claim for a hairstyle. Uh, now, I don't know, maybe you think that uh, that's true about your life. You've changed your hair and it's changed your life. Uh, but really, changing your hair uh, changes your life maybe for a day or two, uh, but that's about it. Uh, and it's really not going to uh, change your life that much anyway, really, is it, um, changing your hairstyle? But, but other experiences, I think, change our lives and uh, change us forever. That is, we're never the same again. Think of the person who is deaf. Uh, and who receives their hearing back through something like a cochlear implant. Uh, Their life is never the same again. They've gone from being completely deaf, not being able to hear anything in the world, not being able to hear what people are saying to them, not being able to hear the sounds around them. They've gone from being completely deaf to being finally being able to hear. And that restoration of their hearing has repercussions that shapes the rest of their life. And I think it's the same for many people in terms of meeting Jesus. Many people meet Jesus and it's a bit like the hairstyle kind of interaction. It maybe changes their life for a day or two, but that's about it. While for others, meeting Jesus is really like getting back your hearing, getting, being able to hear for the first time. It's something that changes uh, their life their life forever. But Jesus wants us to know, uh, in this passage I think, that if a person really meets him, if a person really comes to know him, then their life will never be the same again. You can't meet Jesus and that only change your life for one day or two days or three days. It will change and reshape the entire rest of your life. And that's what Jesus wants to know in this last claim, that he is the true vine. So the first thing that Jesus says then in this passage is that the purpose of the Christian life is to be fruitful. So verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that we'll be even more fruitful. Jesus says that our relationship with him Uh, is like the relationship of a vine and its branches. The purpose of a branch is to bear fruit. Uh, If a branch doesn't bear fruit, then the gardener comes along and cuts that branch off. Now, I'm no gardening wizard. Uh, I'm pretty hopeless, actually, to be honest, in the the garden. I'm always Googling everything that I need to know uh, because I don't know anything about the garden. But I do know that if there's a dead branch on a tree, that you cut it off. Uh, It gets in the way... Uh, it, 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 it saps the life from uh, the rest of the tree. Uh, but you cut it off because you can see, can't you, that it's dead. There's no leaves growing on it. There's no flowers on it. There's no fruit on it if it's a fruit tree. 
The branch is useless, so you cut it away and chuck it in the bin. But on the other hand, if a branch is bearing fruit, then you come along and you, uh, you, you often prune that at the right time so that it grows even more fruit in the future or, or grows even more leaves or even more flowers. I have these shrubs in my back garden. They were planted a few years ago, uh, not by me, by somebody else. Uh, and one or two of them I've cut back a little bit harder than some of the others. Uh, and actually, interestingly, those, those few shrubs are, are looking... Uh, kind of dense and leafy and bushy, and the others that I kind of maybe let go a little, a little bit kind of carelessly are kind of all spindly and, and kind of and woody and all that kind of stuff, and, and they're not very attractive plants. It's interesting that when you cut things back, they actually tend to grow and produce uh, even more. And Jesus says that God is doing the same thing with his people. That is, he's cutting away the branches that are not bearing fruit, He's cutting away the dead branches and he's pruning the fruitful branches to make them even more fruitful. Why does God do that? He does that, Jesus says, because it glorifies God for his people to bear fruit. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The purpose of God's salvation is that we would bear fruit that we would bear fruit for God's glory. And that fruitfulness shows that we actually belong to Jesus, that we really are his disciples. If there's no fruit, Jesus is saying, then we're not really his disciples. If there is fruit, then we are. Jesus wants us to know that if there's no fruit in our lives, then we're actually in a very dangerous place. If there's no fruit, then we're in danger of being cut off from the vine and being thrown into the fire. So what kind of fruit uh, should we see then if we belong to the true vine? Well, Jesus mentions in this passage a number of uh, fruits that flow from being in him, uh, being in the vine. The first fruit that he mentions is obedience. So verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. So if we belong to Jesus, if we've been grafted into him as the true vine, then we will bear the fruit of obedience to Jesus. We won't be able to help it, right? Because it's just a consequence of belonging to Jesus and being part of the vine. So if you're part of the vine, if you're bearing fruit, you look at your life and you'll see that you are growing in obedience to Jesus. You won't be perfect, but you will be growing in obedience to Jesus. There'll be sins that used to be a big part of your life that aren't a big part of your life anymore. Uh, Perhaps you used to be really greedy, but actually increasingly you find that you want to be generous. Uh, You used to be maybe hooked on pornography, but increasingly that's that's no longer a part of your life. Uh, You used to drink too much, but now you don't. You used to be really envious of other people, of what they had and how they looked and what they had achieved in their life compared to you. You used to be envious of that, but now actually you're just thankful to God for the gifts that he's given them. If we're part of Jesus and the true vine, our lives will be changed. We will find obedience in our lives growing. But Jesus also has in mind a particular area of obedience, I think, which really demonstrates fruitfulness. 
and that is love for one another. He says in verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus says that we are to love one another. In fact, he calls us to the ultimate expression of love, that is to lay down our lives for one another. He doesn't simply mean dying for somebody else, but the process of giving up ourselves for the good of other people. Sometimes when we serve people, it costs us, doesn't it? It costs us our preferences. It might cost us our most deeply held desires. It costs us the things that we want to do. It might cost us the way that we want to do things. And so often to love people means putting to death our preferences, our wants, our desires in order that other people, those around us, can thrive and flourish. And if you belong to Jesus, if you're part of the vine, you'll increasingly find that that's the case. That you give up your own preferences, your own desires, your own wants in order to serve the people around you you'll increasingly find that you put the interests of other people above your own. You'll increasingly find that you think of others more highly than yourself. Another fruit which Jesus mentions in this passage is witness to the world. He says in verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So Jesus uses the expression, go and bear fruit. Go and bear fruit seems to imply that what he has in mind is his disciples going and telling people about who Jesus is and what he's done. That idea comes up later again at the end of the chapter in verse 27. Jesus says, and you must also testify for you have been with me from the beginning. So the fruit is not converts, But the fruit of belonging to the vine is testimony about Jesus. That is, Jesus wants us to know that we can't know who he is, be connected to him, we can't love him, and then not ever say anything about him. It's like, um, you know, it would be like saying, yeah, I really love my wife or I really love my husband, but actually then never having anything positive to say about them. If you love someone deeply, uh, if if you're committed to them, then that comes out in the words that you say about them, doesn't it? I'd love for you to meet my wife. I'd love for you to meet my, my, my friend. I'd love for you to meet my, for my, my mother and my father because, because they're such a wonderful person. They're so generous. They're so kind. They're so forgiving. I would love so much for you to meet them. We can't be in Jesus. We can't love Jesus and know him and not say anything about him. If we're connected to Jesus, then the truth about Jesus will come out of us. But there are other parts of the Bible too that show us the kind of fruit that we'll bear if we're in Jesus. One other good place to look is Galatians 5, where we have the the fruit of the Spirit. 
Uh, if we're in Jesus, there should be love. There should be love for God, love for one another, love for the lost world in which we live. There should be joy, joy in God, joy in our salvation, joy in the gifts that God gives us every day. Uh, there should be peace. There should be this confident rest in God, a contentment and a peaceable, peace-loving spirit toward other people as well. There should be patience, patience rather than frustration. Patience in waiting for God to act. Patience in dealing with other people. Patience in leaving justice, justice to God rather than taking retribution into our own hands. There should be kindness. There should be goodness. There should be gentleness. There should be self-control. Now, those things won't be perfect. None of those things will be perfect this side of eternity. But they will be there. That fruit will be there in our lives if we're in Jesus. And those fruit will be growing. They'll be growing because if we're fruitful branches, God prunes and trims us, Jesus says, so that we bear bear even more fruit. And it's by seeing that fruit... And by seeing that fruit grow and flourish in our lives, it's by seeing that that we can know that we are really connected to the living Lord Jesus Christ. On the other hand, Jesus says, if we can't see that fruit, then eventually we will be cut off and thrown away. Whatever else we might say about knowing Jesus and following him, if there's no fruit in our lives then we're not connected to the living Lord Jesus. So the purpose of our salvation is to bear fruit for God's glory. We can't be saved and not bear fruit. It doesn't work. But how are we to be fruitful? What if there isn't any fruit in our lives? What are we supposed to do? Well, Jesus says that the secret to fruitfulness lies in him. Look at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus says, uh, quite simply, if you remain in him, you will bear fruit. That's the secret. I don't know if anyone remembers uh, last year, Jason Summers, the pastor of the St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, preached at the branch on this passage. Uh, And he made then a simple but profound observation. That is, Jesus in this chapter never commands us to bear fruit... Instead, what he commands us to do is to remain in him. Or as some translations have it, to abide in him, to dwell in him. It's the same idea. The reason that the secret is to remain in Jesus is because he is the vine. That is, there's no life apart from being in the vine. On the other hand, if we're really part of the vine, then we can't help but bear fruit because the life of the vine, the life of Jesus, will inevitably flow through us. So what does it mean then to abide in Jesus? What does that practically mean? What will that look like? Uh, Most simply, it means to stick with Jesus. It means to keep following him, to keep trusting him. It means not to give up on following what he calls us to do. Uh, It means not to give up on uh, looking to him as the source of our life and hope. 
It means to live a life of continual faith and repentance. It means to live every day at the foot of the cross, every day coming to Jesus, confessing our sin, turning away from our sin, trusting and accepting, receiving God's forgiveness through the death of Christ on our behalf, trusting that we're right with God, that we're completely forgiven through the death of Jesus Christ. Remaining in Jesus means seeking Jesus to be at work in our lives through the Holy Spirit. That comes through prayer. Jesus says in verse 7, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Fruitfulness, in other words, is the result of effective prayer. Jesus is not saying uh, that you can ask God for a new car and that he'll give you one. That's not what he's saying. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. He's talking about fruitfulness. Ask whatever you want with respect to fruitfulness and God will grant it to you. Because that's God's desire, that you bear much fruit. So you can say to God, God, make me fruitful in Jesus Christ. Help me to remain in Jesus. Help me to stick with Jesus. Help me to obey him. To do what he says. To follow him where he's going. Make me joyful in him. Make me love others. You can ask those things and you can know that God hears you. So we abide in Jesus through prayer for those things that God has revealed to us in Jesus. But we also abide in Jesus by abiding in his words, uh, by abiding in the words of Jesus uh, and the words about Jesus that we find in the Bible. It's as we hear the Bible and uh, read the Bible and meditate on the Bible that Jesus' words remain in us. Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. Jesus' words need to remain in us as well. So the more we know Jesus, the more we know about him the more that will shape our lives. The more we know of the commands of Jesus, the more those commands will govern how we live. The more we meditate and delight in Jesus' loving sacrifice for us, the more that will form our lives into lives of loving sacrifice as well. Jesus is the source of life and we need to stay in him. We need to know him, we need to love him, we need to delight in him. And we do that through praying for those things that God has revealed in Jesus and by getting to know Jesus more through his word. If we're in Jesus, we'll bear fruit. But on the other hand, if we don't remain in Jesus, we can't do anything. It's not simply that your fruitfulness will drop off, but you can't be fruitful at all if you're not in Jesus. You must stay in him, if you don't, you will wither and die. And those, those branches, Jesus says, will be collected and thrown into the fire. Uh, so it's a, it's a picture of judgment. The outcome of not remaining in Jesus is not simply fruitlessness. The outcome of not remaining in Jesus is judgment uh, and destruction.
The outcome of not remaining in Jesus is destruction and judgment because if we're not in Jesus, we can't be saved. There is no salvation outside of Jesus. So if you're drifting away from Jesus and you can sense that, if you're drifting away from Jesus and you know that, then in the first place, the result will not simply be... The first, in the first place, the result will be fruitlessness. But then ultimately, the result of that will uh, also be judgment. Because there is no salvation outside of Jesus. You might be drifting away from Jesus because you've become bored or because you've become indifferent uh, or because the worries and the concerns of the world are clouding your mind and your thoughts and your heart. Uh, one of the most terrible uh, passages, I think, in the Bible is in the parable of the sower, where there's four different kinds of seed and there's that third kind of seed which is, grows up but then is choked by the thorns. And Jesus said that, that's a picture of, what it's, of what, how so many people receive the gospel. They receive the gospel with joy and they, and, they, and they shoot up. But then the life of the gospel is choked out by the worries and the concerns of the world. It's a parable, I think, of life for us in the Western world. Worries and the concerns of the world choke us and keep us from being fruitful. Things like family uh, or our homes or our hobbies or our work, we're enslaved to our work perhaps, all those things can choke out Jesus and keep us from being uh, fruitful. If you're in danger of that, if you're in danger of drifting away from Jesus, don't do it. Don't drift away from Jesus, remain in him. Uh, and if you know that you're drifting away from Jesus, what a great blessing that is. What a great blessing that is to know that because it means actually that you can say to God, God, I'm drifting away from you. Please don't let me do that. Please help me to remain in Jesus. Because there's no other life uh, in anyone but Christ. No, the only source of fruitfulness is Jesus himself. And we can say to God, God, give me Jesus. Give me but Jesus, my Lord crucified. He's all I need. Help me to know him, to delight in him, to follow him. Make me fruitful through being joined up with him. The purpose of the Christian life is fruitfulness. Uh, and that shows that we belong to Jesus. Uh, and the way that we remain fruitful and grow in fruitfulness is by abiding in Jesus. Last of all, Jesus says that we ought to remain in his love. Verse 9. As, a, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and so that your joy may be complete. Jesus says that we're to remain, 
or abide in his love, not only in him, but also in his love. How do we remain in his love? We're to do that by obeying, Jesus says, his commandments. The particular command that he has in mind is the command to love one another. He says that in verse 12, and then again in verse 17. But again, the key point is that it's as we obey Jesus and as we follow him that we remain in his love. And it's as we do that, that we experience the joy of being in a relationship with God. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that obedience to God is not a joyless exercise. Uh, it's not a joyless exercise. Actually, obedience to God is, makes our lives full of great joy. Because it's one in which we discover more and more the love of God and the joy of knowing God. Uh, I often think it's helpful to think about what it's like in human relationships. Uh, in, in our relationships with other people... Uh, when we love someone, we want to know what pleases them, what makes them happy. Uh, and we obey them, that is, we do what pleases them, because it gives us great joy to see them pleased. It delights them and that delights us. And the more we do what pleases them, the more joy they have and the more joy we have. And it's the same with God. As we obey God, as we do what pleases him, he delights in us and we delight in him. We delight in him being delighted and we delight in doing what makes him happy, what makes him glad. As we do that, our love for God deepens just as our love for other people deepens uh, and their love for us deepens as well. God's love for us deepens as well. But importantly, doing what pleases other people doesn't establish our relationship with them, but it grows and sustains it. And in the same way, doing what pleases God doesn't establish our relationship with him, it grows and sustains it. We don't secure our relationship with God through our obedience. Rather, if we have entrusted our lives to Jesus, then he has brought us into a living relationship with the Father. And obedience then is the way that we deepen that relationship and the way in which we find great joy and great delight in God. So look at verse 14. Jesus says, You are my friends. He's not saying you'll become my friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. That is, doing what, they, what God, Jesus commands reflects their friendship. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. Uh, what does it mean to be a friend? Jesus tells us it's about being let into the deepest thoughts and the deepest secrets of another person. Isn't that lovely? It's to be invited into the inner life of somebody else. Jesus says, I've called you friends. Why is that? Because everything I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. God has invited us into his 
deepest and most inner thoughts. That's not something we need to earn. It's something that we have in Jesus Christ. And what Jesus is calling us to do is to live in the light of that. To live in the light of knowing God. To live in the light of being known by God. To live in the light of being loved by God. Loved by God at great cost. Jesus is calling us not to enter into a relationship with Jesus, with God, sorry, but to stay in the relationship that his disciples already have. To stay there, to enjoy it and to live it out. Do you want to know uh, the joy uh, of knowing God and being known by God? Then Jesus says, abide in him. And abide in his love by following him and obeying his commands. So set yourself to grow in obedience. Set yourself to loving others. Set yourself to growing in patience and kindness. Set yourself to growing in prayer and, 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 and meditating on the word of God in the Bible. There's joy in that. There's joy in that because the more that you do that, the more you will enjoy God. And how do you grow in those things? You grow in those things by pursuing Jesus. By remaining in him, by abiding in him, dwelling in him, abiding in his words and in the words about him in the Bible. You do that by praying for him to be at work in your life. Let me say again, we don't enter a right relationship with God by what we do. We enter a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and we keep going in that relationship through Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we grow in love for God and the joy of God's love for us. Well, what kind of encounter have you had with Jesus? Is it an encounter that's changed your life for a day or two days? Is it a passing encounter that's left no discernible impression? Or is it a living encounter? An encounter where you've been grafted into a vine and the life of that vine works its way out in your life and your love for God. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have invited us in Jesus Christ into your innermost life, into your deepest thoughts. Who are we as your creatures that you should do such a thing and show us such great kindness? that we could know such great joy by knowing you, the creator of all the, all the earth, all the universe. 
that you've invited us into that relationship at such great cost. The death of your own son, cursed on a cross, that we might be reconciled to you, that we might be called your friends. Lord, what a precious gift that is. Lord, help us to receive that and to keep it, to abide in Jesus, to dwell in him, to remain in him. And Lord, you know how wayward our hearts are. You know how easily drawn aside we are from the Lord Jesus Christ. You know each of us. You know all of us and where we are. You know those of us who are drifting and those of us who are in danger. Show each one of them mercy, God. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.